Hello, friends. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Loose and Conversational Podcast. A funny thing happened while recording this episode. Jen didn't show up. Well, she showed up 45 minutes into the podcast, but I forgot to record her. You'll notice a jump around then, and it might take you a minute to figure out what our guest is talking about because we had to cut out the 10 minutes with Jen because you can't hear her. My apologies. But we recorded Jen, Lucy, and Amanda at 4 p.m. the same day, and I was fairly loose by the time we started talking with Brent. At least I made it to the recording on time, right? Brent has his own podcast, Zranyu, and we've known each other nigh on 15 years or so. He is lucky enough to live in Canmore, Alberta, and work at a hotel in a magical place called Cananaskis. I won't plug the hotel, though, because I'm still pissed off at them for some shit service I received this summer. There's only one hotel there, though, so it shouldn't be hard to figure out. Well, and since you asked, I dropped my keys down the toilet and they wouldn't help me get them out. 400 goddamn kilometers from home and they wouldn't lift a finger to help me. Mighty fine of them, eh? Ah, but Brent's a great guy. I'm sure he would have helped me get my keys out of the shitter if he could. Nobody else would help, though. I'm sure he would have. My daughter and I usually go to said hotel right after New Year's Day, but we didn't this year. I've only got one set of keys left, and I can't risk it. We'd appreciate it if you could find the Loose and Conversational podcast on Facebook, like and follow our page, and at least let us know if you're listening. We know there are a bunch of you out there, and it would be super cool to get to interact with some of you. Anyway, enjoy the podcast, everyone. Welcome to the Loose and Conversational Podcast. So how this usually works is we just sort of get drunk and talk. Okay. I would say we tend to use probably only about 40% of what we actually record. <laughs> okay. And it, and it's funny because of one of two reasons. Either one, it's boring. <laughs> yeah. Or the sound gets terrible because we get too drunk and we forget we start forgetting about it. Right. Or we get too off offside. Okay. But anyway, I sent you the questions. I actually got to start talking at one point okay and one of the challenges with the loose and conversational podcast and i'm it's affecting me right now is usually by the time this podcast starts getting good uh the booze is starting to affect me (laughs) (laughs) so so it's funny there's this tremendous ability to have to try to focus on and that's what jen's role is becoming she keeps me focused and she's not here so the first thing we got to do brent are we gonna use your real name Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. It's all good. The only uh, so yeah, actually, one question, because I actually have to go get my own drinks. I don't have uh, the services like you do in your recording studio. (laughs) So um, I'll let you know, because I guess you need a, a good spot to edit or yeah, no, I edit the shit out of this. Okay, okay. What actually hits the podcast sounds very little like what we actually record. Yeah. And that's one of the things we tell people. I don't think it'll be a problem with you. Yeah. But one of the things we do, like we're actually talking to some interesting people to have as guests and they're super scared of talking on a microphone. And you'll hear me, I'll stop talking. I'll go, uh, I'll do all this stuff because what you actually say is important. Right. All the stuff that you can cut out is unimportant. Right. So, so we, yeah, I edit a lot. Okay. (laughs) Especially because we're dealing with drunk people, right? Hey. In the Cletus podcast, I constantly, I am constantly talking about my own cock, and I'm constantly oh, asking Cletus yeah. how big his is, yeah. how big his cock is, and how small. And I'm explaining to Jen and Cletus how small mine is, <laughs> and like it, it kept coming up in the podcast, and I cut most of it out. I think I kept a little bit of it in. And the funny thing was, right. like when you actually listen to it later, because like I don't even remember recording that podcast. I got so drunk, and all of a sudden it's like, okay. oh Jesus, I'm talking, I'm talking about our cocks again. 
And and the funny thing is, I know why I was. I was trying to ask a question. And then we would get distracted and we would talk about other stuff. And I'd be like, okay, I really want to ask that question. So I'd be like, Cletus, you've got a really big dick and mine's not as big. And then we would start, I'd start talking about it again. And Jen would be like, why are we talking about your cock again? And Cletus would just be laughing. And I would keep trying to get to this question. And I never did. It never came up. Okay, well, let me ask you one question. Have you ever talked about your cock like that with in front of other people like you did in that last podcast? I would I would say probably uh, every conversation I get into when I'm drinking, I, I talk about my bowel movements and I talk about my cock. And I usually ask one of the people I'm talking about their cocks. I have no <laughs> idea why. <laughs> Maybe you're maybe you're looking for some sort of relatable conversation. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like it either explains things about certain guys or well, no, it always does. Like like there's always like the subtext when you're talking to guys and you can usually barrow down to like you have a big cock, don't you? Or you're you're you ever have problems with your cocks too small? You know what I mean? And it's it's just yeah. one of those things that led, led into a podcast, to be honest. But I don't I don't I don't mean to obsess about mine. Oh, here I'm doing it again. Here I'm doing it again. <laughs> Well, no, it was just a topic of conversation. It was something we were talking about. That's cool. In the Cletus one, did my inch and a half, when like the whole thing about my cock being an inch and a half, did that come up? Oh, yeah. Oh, it did. Okay. Oh, yeah, wait. I don't even remember it did, that. But it was, but I mean, it, 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 you, you talked about it long enough for it to be noticed, but really a lot of the focus was on <laughs> how fucking long Cletus's dick was before it even got hard. And by that point, I was laughing hysterically that I don't even really remember word for word the conversation. It was just like, it was so casual, but it seemed like such a unnatural fucking conversation to have. It's like, hey, how big's your dick? Well, this is my big dick. Well, this is my small dick and ha 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 and politics and weather and shit. <laughs> Yeah. Like it was so smooth. It was like nobody giggled. Nobody fucking turned into like an immature teenager. It was it was actually pretty slick. You should have seen how Jen was staring at Cletus. Like <laughs> you've never you've never met him. So he the actually his picture is on my website. It's like there's this like great picture I took. I don't even remember taking it, where he's sitting on the couch or in the penthouse. So you see what he looks like. And at the beginning she was kind of a little like I kind of felt she was a little contemptuous toward him. Really? Okay. Yeah, kind of, because I think, I don't know, I just I just don't know what she was expecting. She's she's a girl, she's moody, and she's not here to defend herself. <laughs> nice. You could kind of see, because you could you could definitely hear, she's definitely interested in the lifestyle, right? And right. she's definitely had a lot of questions, and, and as things changed, it was funny how the way she, the way she actually looked at him changed throughout the podcast, right? I was like, man, if I wasn't here, I bet you Cletus would fuck Jen. Except, of course, she's married, and she'd say she wouldn't, but... She was very much intrigued. Like, she had very, very good questions about the lifestyle. Like, it wasn't joking and funny. It was like, well, what about this, and how about this, and how does this work? Oh, no, she's totally into it, totally into it, which I think a lot of people are. Would you ever be? I would. I would. I, I've never actually... Uh, well, I don't know. Kate might be able to hear me right now, but anyways, whatever. Fuck it. It's going on a podcast, so there's a good well, chance. Well, here's one way to find out, but uh, hey, she's German. She's supposed to be sexually liberated, so... Hopefully. Oh yeah, Here yeah. We go. She'll, she'll like take shits on guys' chests and stuff like that. So don't edit that part out. Put it in the podcast. And let's see if she actually listens to it. <laughs> uh, no, the, the boring <laughs> stuff comes out. <laughs> okay, just making sure. <laughs> the, would your wife ever shit in a guy's chest? That's a, but I thought that was a German thing. I thought they like pooping on people. I'm not accusing her of wanting to poop on you, but I realize how that sounds. It never came up yet. Now I might just be prepared for this conversation now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you guys are listening to this, she'll be looking at it kind of angrily and then look at her and be like, do you want to? And then that's when you'll find out. 
Well, I don't know. She hasn't listened to all my podcasts just yet, so I don't know if she'll listen to this one anytime soon. And if she does, eventually down the road, I'll just feel like, hey, I was drunk. Yeah, well, that's that's the out. That's the beauty of the podcast. Yeah, it's totally the out. I know. So put this to... Let's see if you remember this. What? Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, we're both doing the host thing. Yeah. We we feel bad for talking over the other person. Do you know where Loose and Conversational came from? No. Because you're the only other guy who I think ever, I don't know, read, I guess, where I got Loose and Conversational from. And I hope I don't... Like, I don't think I stole it from anybody. Well, I kind of did, but... Mm. Do you remember remember Carl Wellsen at Dad Boner on Twitter? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Loose and Conversational. He used to say it all the time. Oh, okay. So I didn't directly steal it from him, but how we called this a loose and conversational podcast, when I started dating Carol Ann, I'd, I would always say, when we'd have a few drinks, like, let's get loose and conversational. Yeah. And then originally, I was going to call this podcast Drinks with Friends. Mm-hmm. And I had it all set up, all ready to go. And I was literally about to buy the website, register the website, drinkswithfriends.com. Yeah. I was reading this thing about how you search to see if the website's been taken. Mm-hmm. And the place I was registering it with said make sure you check like these 27 different extensions and i was like there's 27 extensions so i looked and then i found a drinks with friends and then i found there was already a podcast that so i went to bed that night and i was like super frustrated because i'm like fuck like i had the name i had this i had that and as i'm falling asleep caroline's like why don't you call it the loose and conversational podcast and i was all mad and the last thing i wanted was her to be right and i laid there like stewing for five (laughs) minutes and i'm like yeah "Yeah, that's pretty good Mm. so what made you how where did you get the name of your so first off how do you pronounce the name of your podcast so it's it's actually kind of a funny story i call it zranu uh the reason for it is um do you remember when five star mead binders like the zippered binders were really cool back in high school i know we have a bit of an age difference but there was a point <laughs> where the zippered binders were uh were really really in right and when i was like yeah, in I grade that. nine like uh bic Big milky pens were all the fucking rage, right? So everybody had them and we were drawn all over our fucking binders and everything. And that was around the same time that I really started getting into like electronic music, like EDM, trance, house, all that sort of stuff. I I fucking loved it. And I was bored one day in my English class and I started to write the word trance on my binder, but I decided that I would do it in an angle just because it was different. So the T became an X, the R still looked like an R, the A still looked like an A, the N still looked like an N, but my C became a U and the E stayed the same. And then it spelled Zranu. But but to me, I was just like, this is just trance spelt in a weird way. And then all my buddies were like, what's Zranu? What's Zranu? What's Zranu? And I'm like, it's trance. And they're like, no, it's spelled Zranu. So we would get into this big argument. And I'm like, all right, fine, fucking Zranu. So everybody would, because that was about the time everybody was listening to Nirvana, Silverchair, Blur, like all the fucking on Vogue shit, right? And here I was, this loser listening to techno music. Everybody thought it was like dropping E and going to raves and shit. Um, <laughs> were you? Oh, no, I already, I only went to one and I, yeah, not a, not a good experience. <laughs> um, did you take E or did you I take did. any kind of drugs? I, I did. and You took E and it wasn't a good experience? Well, for me it was, but for the buddy that I did do it with, it wasn't. He actually took too much and we ended up at the hospital for him to get his stomach pumped. <laughs> <laughs> and then the nurse asked me, Fair do you need your stomach pumped too? And I was just coherent enough to say, no, thank you. Um, so <laughs> that was my one and only what if you said yes, if they would have pumped your stomach, I had to go home, man. Like my mom would fucking kill me. 
I took I only took E once as well. Yeah. In the old Lake Louise days, and uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Like I have nothing but good memories of it. So so I, I've done it a couple of times. So that was the first. The second time, I actually did it in Kananaskis. But I wasn't working. I was still working at the lake at the time, but we went and stayed in Kananaskis. And I was with um, uh, I was with my friend, uh, I probably won't mention her name, starts with an L, and then uh, two other people. Anyways, we were sharing a room. And um, all of a sudden, the guy, he was a cook. He was like half Russian, half Kiwi, like this you probably knew who he was That's yeah it, he was an he was like big burly russian but had like the soft sweetness of a kiwi like it was like such a wicked match uh, the, here's the weird thing about a lot of me and lake louise i don't remember any of it okay i remember i remember parts i remember getting kicked out that is probably like the biggest fucking memory <laughs> ever was getting evicted from oh, lake yeah. louise yeah, I forgot about it was that. Amazing. Yeah, that's how I ended up in Kananaskis because I was I was commuting from Canmore to Lake Louise, but I was doing the the four a.m. Vic shifts, so I had to wake up at two thirty in the morning in Canmore to get oh my ready God. to get to work by four a.m. And then you know you know Vic tour season, right? Like you were there until like oh, three yeah. four o'clock in the afternoon, so all I did was work and sleep. Anyways, um, so back to the hotel. So we were in Kananaskis and then he's like, Hey, are you, are you into stuff? Do you, have you done ecstasy? And I'm like, yeah, I've done it. Like I, we're kind of having a good time. Let's, let's pop a pill. He's like, we're not popping pills. I'm like, well, what the fuck do you mean? So then he breaks out a pill, takes out a credit or a little like knife or whatever, starts chopping the pill up and then he grinds it into a powder whips out a $50 bill, rolls it up, and we start snorting ecstasy off the uh, off the, the middle nightstand. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But, I had no uh, idea you could snort it. It's such a better high, though, because it hits you instantly, and it's, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I was comparing it to probably, you know, five, six years ago when I had done it for the first time. But, yeah, it was, it was good. But, you know, I never really got into that lifestyle after, like – you know smoke weed every once in a while but for the most part i smoke and drink those are my those are my my bodily vices yeah, same here yeah yeah it's funny because uh so you touched on a whole bunch of things so i'm going to try to cover a bunch of them okay which i'll forget and i'll have to keep coming back to it it's all good jen's not here <laughs> jen you whore why are you taking care of your kids anyway uh <laughs> first off you and i so like cletus and i work together jen yeah. and i do work together you and i work together i counted we worked together four times. So Lake, yeah, Lake Kananaskis, Sarge Kananaskis. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, but we never worked together like for a long time. Well, I guess my first tour in, and our both our first tour. Well, you've been in Kananaskis for how many years now? Uh, so it, oh no, you went. You you came and went. You came and went. Yeah, I came and right. went twice. So oh, yeah. um, the first time in Kananaskis was with you, and that was for four years. And then that's when I went to Edmonton, and then you uh, followed suit shortly thereafter. Yeah, it's your fault I ended up at Sarage. I know. I know. I was so jazzed about it, but I, I realize now that I was young and naive, and it was a horrible place to work, frankly. God, that was such a horrible place. It was It God, was the worst uh, place I've ever worked in my life. I know. And I think the first time I met – do you remember John McNutt? Yeah, you know what? I actually don't hate him, but I kind of do, but I don't. He was very Jim cool. was the asshole. Uh, see, I I was the opposite because I actually built a better rapport with Jim than I did with John, and that just could have been positional because you were the GM and I was just the F and B creations manager, whatever. Oh my god! Oh, I can see why Do you, you wouldn't like John. So, well, we got along great actually. The first time I met him, like we actually had drinks in oh, the he's lounge. A super charming guy. And he's like, at the end of it, he's like, "Yeah, I'll take you on to the private jet. We'll chat. We'll talk about all these opportunities." And obviously, that never happened. But Jim. 
we got along great because before you came, he was sort of acting GM, right? So we, yeah. we, we built a little bit of rapport. And after I left. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, uh, the vicious cycle continues. But um, I, I kind of, at first, I kind of uh, sort of looked up to him because the first time I met him, he was super well polished. He seemed down to earth. Then we went to oh, a gym. Yeah. Oh, okay. I haven't, I haven't finished yet. Um, oh, sorry. The, uh, we went to a golf tournament together and then I saw what kind of car he drove, which I know is really superficial and super pretentious. <laughs> and I'm like, he's, I this, remember that car. he's be, this big shot, big shot VP driving a fucking 1986 piece of shit Toyota Corolla. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. this and is not in great shape. Yeah. And it's like, this is what I aspire to be a VP that can only afford a fucking Corolla. And then I kind of just, he kind of went a couple of notches down and then I, I saw him drunk once and it was in that art gallery. I think there was like a Sawridge band dinner or something. And he got so loaded and he looked so disheveled at the end of it. And his face was so red and his balding head was just so shiny. <laughs> I actually saw him a couple of uh, two or three years ago at a travel Alberta conference in uh, at the Banff Springs. He's got like he went way downhill. He's got like Parkinson's and he had cancer and all sorts of stuff. He's on the board. He's gone further downhill since then. He's dead. Oh, really? He's been dead for a while. Yeah. No shit. When did he die? <laughs> <laughs> like a couple of years. It sounds like just after you saw him. Probably. Yeah. Cause it would have been 2018, I think is when I went. So he died probably. Oh right. yeah. Yeah. No, he's been dead for a while. Yeah. So here's my deal with him. How I ended up knowing about that job was the same recruiter who hired you mm-hmm. or got you to do it called me. And yeah. I literally thought I wouldn't even have answered the phone, but I saw the caller ID or whatever come up or I got a message. And I wouldn't have returned it, except I thought it was a reference for you. Mm. So I can't remember the guy's name. The, guy, the guy's got Alan like a Carr. famous name. Alan Carr. Yeah, Alan Carr, yeah. Not the Alan Carr, but Alan Carr. Yeah. Who was a super nice guy, but... So Alan Carr calls me, and I thought it was going to be a reference check. And he's like, hey, like they do that whole recruiter kiss your ass thing. Yeah. I had just been through, I won't go into it now, but I, I was at a kind of a low point in my job at Kananaskis, and I just didn't want to do it anymore, right? I wanted to do whatever was next, and... and Megan, my wife at the time, really wanted to do, she didn't want to be in Canmore. We didn't want to be in Canmore anymore. We wanted to kind of, like, I don't know, I guess move on. Yeah. So I went up there and I saw the hotel. I stayed there overnight. And then I, before I met with Jim and Anita, mm. and after my, after I stayed in one of the rooms, I was like, there's no fucking way. Like, there's no way. <laughs> but then I met Jim and he was... He's, he was such an engaging, charming guy, yeah, right? Yeah. And he was really positive And he's like, hey, we're going to do this. And this is what's going on. And we're renovating this. And the lobby and the restaurant were so beautiful, right? Like they'd really done a good job of that. So they I was did. like, I signed on for sure. And then I spent a year. So my, my, my three big criticisms, one, once they did the lobby, the restaurant and the bathrooms, they said, okay, we're done. And it's like, you weren't done. Like the hallways stunk and like there were so many other problems in the hotel. Two, Jim was just a charming guy. He, he had no substance to him and he would fly off the handle and he had no sense of vision. He had no sense of direction. And I was a first time GM. I basically knew operations, but I, I kind of needed help with the strategy part. And every few weeks it would change. And then the big one was John, like John. I remember. So you said, he said, Hey, we'll take you on the private jet and blah, blah, blah. I got to go on the private jet. That's when I realized (laughs) it it was cool. But that's when I realized this is, this is a fucking nightmare because there's, and I've seen this all throughout my career. When you get owners of hotels, they look at the restaurant and it's either like, do you want it to make money or is this a vanity thing? Because if it's a vanity thing, just admit that it's a vanity thing and then tell me I don't need to make money at it. But if you're telling me you have all these visions and it has to make money, then you have to listen to my advice, right? And 
you got to admit, Sarge, it was 100% vanity. Like they had an unreasonable expectation for the restaurant. Well, they they did. And I remember one because I think it was around that time where they were doing like a cost plus $10 uh, pricing for their wine. And this is this is before you came on board. And I was just no, trying. It was still there when I was there. No, no. But I, I had this conversation with Jim before you came on board and we were looking at numbers and I was doing training manuals. And I'm like, how is this sustainable? Like, you know, our food cost is already high because we have this high end menu. Then you only want to do cost plus 10 on wine, which is the largest seller of our beverage mix thus far given the lounge and you know you 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 want us to run like a 35 percent beverage cost like are you am i being held to this he's like no we're not holding you to the budget and i was like well okay like i didn't i didn't i didn't didn't know what to do so i'm like what the fuck am i doing here am i just running shifts am i it was very it was it was very weird well and 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 to your point it was yes we're going to spend two million dollars on this fantastic restaurant this fantastic space and it really was fantastic it was great um but you have the 99 dollar crowd staying in the rooms and you're expecting them to pay 40 dollars for a steak yep 100 percent. it was such a disconnect such a disconnect yeah and a ridiculously alcoholic chef Oh, what was his name? Well, we can't say David. It. David. Uh, David something. Yeah. Don't say his last name. I have to beep it out. The beep yeah. sounds terrible. We know who we're talking about. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he was horrible, right? So, yeah. so they had all these expectations, and you know, I'd c- try to make it work. I try to make it work, and and uh, and the, one of the funny things is, is everybody from Sawridge. Uh, when I say everybody, I mean Jim, uh, the guy who was like the corporate F and B guy. Oh, Michael. I can, can't remember his name. Yeah, Michael Heeb. Yeah. Uh, the guy who was, I can't, I'm so bad with names. He was the, he was like basically the front office manager and then in charge of rooms. Oh, Rob, uh, Rob Wilson. Yeah. Rob Wilson. They all moved over to black diamond, which is they where did. Cletus works. Oh, so, and a lot of them, a lot of them, except for, uh, Jim. And it was funny cause Cletus, we even talked about it on the podcast recording, but I cut it out. Uh, he, he loves Jim. He never, he never got screwed by Jim. Right. But the problem was like Jim would screw everybody because he didn't really understand what was going on. And I think he was intimidated by John, but oddly enough, John listened to him too much. Right. And I don't know. It was all, it was all screwed up. Like it was all. So I remember when I knew the writing was on the wall because I got fired from there. Yeah. And uh, I, it was funny because I'd already applied. I was already like on the way of moving to where I went afterwards, the courtyard. Yeah. And I remember we had this big meeting and Jim was just raging at us. And I was gotten an argument back with them in front of all the managers and stuff. And I remember I said, Jim, I don't even know how to pretend to know what you want anymore. <laughs> and the way he, and then the way he looked at me after I said that, I was like, I'm getting fired. <laughs> and sure enough. Well, it's funny, eh? Like I, uh, I know I, I kind of felt a little bit of the writing on the wall, and it wasn't from you, um, but it was like when John would come into the restaurant and he would look at me. I remember when he looked at me when I first started, and then he looked at me like six months later, and I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm out of here. I don't know what it yeah, was. Yeah, we I all had, had that. Yeah, so I, I left before I essentially got fired, and I remember the day that uh, I came into work and you called me into your office and you said, we're going to have to walk you. And at first I was like, well, this is horrible. Like, why can't I finish out my, my, my two weeks with honor and respect and dignity. And then after I'm like, fuck it, this is awesome. Great. Thank you very much. It was kind of, I, I mean, I kind of felt bad for you because all of a sudden we had to try and cover like the shifts that I was supposed to do, but it was, uh, it was, it was, it was interesting.
lot of strong opinions about Kananaskis, and I'm not there anymore, right? But I mean, obviously, but the, uh, I, I mean, I have strong opinions about hotels, period. And it's funny how I've learned in the past, I would say four years, we sort of did this thing where we tried to become a, become an above property thing and blah, blah, blah. And so I was exposed to owners a lot more and I was exposed to brands a lot more and all this kind of stuff. And it is, you know, Marriott, who the company I work closely with, can show you how excellent guest satisfaction leads to more profit. And this whole thing that we tried to talk to people about is, you know, if you have really high guest satisfaction, it turns into more profit. There And there is no stat anywhere that anybody can show that says poor guest satisfaction leads to, um, are you dying? Me? No, I... <laughs> You're okay? You just made a funny noise. No, I'm trying I'm trying not to burp too loudly into the fucking microphone. Oh, burp. I can, I can get rid of it. You're on a separate track. Go ahead and burp. Okay. All right. Well... And, and there is no stat statistic anywhere that shows where poor or moderate guest service can turn into better profit. But owners and, and companies and nobody, they won't do it. They won't go the extra mile. Right? And if anything... Do you know what my... So there's a... Do you know what a star... Uh, STR, the star report is? Yep. yep. So a good star report is anything over 100%. Right now, right now my star, and it's a pandemic, and it's 500%. Nice. 500%. Because we have spent the past, whatever, five years really getting good at what we do. And all through the pandemic, we're staying loyal to what we do, right? Right. And uh, it's amazing how hotels just look month to month. They just look month to month, right? They look short term, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, it, it is. And, um, you know, in a sense, I'm, I'm almost very happy that I transitioned out of food and beverage and kind of got into the event and sales side because you kind of get all the operations and challenges kind of out of your, uh, out of your environment. And you're just focused on bringing, bringing sales and in groups and which was, which is kind of nice. But I kind of realized over the past three years that I've actually lost my art of conversation. And I know it may be sound a weird, maybe kind of weird to say it because I think we're having a great conversation right now, but I feel like I've lost it because once you spent enough time, I feel once you spent enough time in event and sales, everything just becomes a script and it becomes more of a script oh, than really? it does in operation. hundred percent because in operations, I felt like I, even though it was the same job day in, day out, I was dealing with different client situations. It was dealing with shitty employee situations. Like he was coming from all angles. Whereas in events and sales, it was just me and the client and they would ask the same, even now because I'm dealing with weddings because that's the only thing people are calling for right now is to book weddings. So I answer the same questions. I answer the same, yes, you know, we don't have bridal rooms in the hotel. Then don't worry. You can walk to the viewpoints in your high heels. It's going to be fine. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Best you know, case scenario, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Best case. Yeah, I know. Oh, what do you mean? You don't have a shuttle to the viewpoint? No, 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 we don't. I remember that summer I was there when I went back. We had to create a shuttle last second because it was raining so bad. I love Kananaskis, man. I love Kananaskis. Oh, I love it too. And, and there's a reason why I keep going back there. Like this is my third, my third sort of tour duty going back there. And, I, and I'm there for the long haul. I love the property. I love it. But it's certainly not without its challenges, especially especially now. But it's... Uh, One thing I've learned over the pandemic is challenges are why, even when they're difficult, they get you out of bed in the morning, right? Because right now, and not just right now, but for like the past, God, I don't know, like long time, like seven, eight months, we just don't have the problems that we used to. We sort of had these huge problems at the beginning where we laid off a bunch of people, you know, contracted, figured out a new way to do business. 
And now the the biggest challenge I have and the challenge everybody has, it's fucking boring. One of my owners who I haven't seen in probably a year was in the hotel today. And he was like, he's an old guy. Yeah. And he was like basically asking for an update. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's nothing like you've seen before. You know, the pool's closed, the gym's closed, the restaurant's closed, the bar's closed, the club lounge's closed. And then I said, we're basically a Hampton, mm-hmm. right? And that's the way it is. So I, you know, I like, I like the complexity of big, busy hotels. It, it can be frustrating at times, but it's also, it's interesting, I guess. I, I, I agree because, you know, now, I mean, I, I have enough, enough on my plate to, to keep me busy throughout the day, but it's certainly, I, I kind of almost miss the stress of trying to juggle 20 things at once and prioritizing and whatnot. I also miss walking out into a busy lobby on a Friday night. Like there's just some sort of a, of a vibe. I know in the Marriott world, they call it like, you know, activation in the great room or whatever it's called, but it's such a, oh, are you about, you're smirking. Oh, I fucking hate that. I, I hate the <laughs> fucking way Marriott has like weird ways of saying everything. Oh man, when I worked for Marriott for the four or five months, like legit corporate Marriott yeah. for the for four or five months, I never, I got so sick of the word curated and I know it was oh, the, the perfect word for whatever it is they were trying to accomplish, but it was curated this and curated that and we need to activate this space and activate that and we need botanicals. It was like, I remember when we were trying to, the word. They have this whole other language. I, I know. And it was, it was, uh, it was, it was tough to kind of get acclimatized to it. We, we get communications because we're a lifestyle brand, right? So we get communications from them, and I have no idea what they're talking about. Like, I literally don't know what the words in front of me mean. They're English <laughs> words. They're in sentences and paragraphs, but I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. And that, and sort of a segue, because I know one of the questions about the, uh, you know, why did I start my podcast and, and what made me do oh, it? Yeah, so let's talk about that. Why did you start your podcast? Yeah. I, I, you know, I think one, I was listening to... What podcast was I listening to? I think it was Joe Rogan. I was listening to oh, Joe Rogan. Of course Rogan's. it was. Of course it was yeah, Joe but Rogan. I don't, but I don't listen to Joe Rogan. I, I I only listened to him because Barrymore told me to listen to his interview with Miley Cyrus. And he thought it was like one of the, like a really, really great interview. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to listen to it. And I listened to it and it was just such an awesome interview, right? Like he's actually really good at what he does. Um, and then I'm like, oh no, of course, totally is totally yeah, is, yeah, yeah. So then it just kind of dawned that's, on me. That's I'm why. Like, that's why Spotify gave him a hundred million dollars. Oh, I didn't know that. See, I don't, I don't follow, I don't know the podcast industry. I just wanted to know how to fucking start one, and I realized it was super, super simple. I, I'm certainly not at the the complexity level of the the loose and conversational podcast, mind you, <laughs> where I get a fucking welcome letter in my email. Where we drink. <laughs> We're going to talk about my podcast for 20 seconds before it all goes in the gutter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jen's not here to help us get it in the gutter. Where is she, man? I'm just texting her right now. Because I'm like, where the fuck are you? This is bullshit. I kind of want to sign off right now if she's not around. Brent's getting pissed off. You're the star. Or at least get Amanda to sign on. We'll see if she actually reads it. So you listen to Joe Rogan. You were impressed with his... uh, yeah, and like all throughout my life, um, everyone's told me that I've had some sort of radio voice. And every time I've gone in front of a microphone, I really enjoy it. And the only other person that I've seen it enjoyed as much as me is you. You love being in front of a microphone. You fucking love it. I love being in front of a mic. <laughs> Ridiculously so. <laughs> right right so anyways i'm just like well you know people upload shit to youtube you know and it goes viral it goes public like what's so different about a podcast so i I looked up a couple of youtube um videos diy like what do you need to get set up with a podcast and all that and you know 
it was like after about 20 minutes, I, I recorded my first episode called Getting Started. It was it was that simple. Like I literally went out. I was at work at the time. Work. Don't worry about me not doing work while I'm at work. But I went to another office that was far away. Closed the door. Used my shitty earbuds with a mic on it and just recorded my first episode and realized it was super super simple. But even before that, I was struggling to find find out why. And um, at the time, I had just gone back into my gym routine because I was laid off for four months. Gyms were closed. I hate I hated a home workout routine. That just wasn't my thing. I'm not really like a super outdoorsy hiker kind of guy so it basically like gained 20 30 pounds i got fat and then as soon as gyms started opening i wanted to get back into it and i got back into it was feeling really good and i and i came across two individuals that kind of sparked that kind of motivated me to to go on this 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 path of of self-improvement betterment you know but not from the don't worry sweetheart everything's gonna be okay it's like if your life sucks fucking confront it and change it like be brutal about it. And um, David Goggins, I don't know if you've heard of David Goggins. Nope. You should look him up. So he's been, um, he's been considered one of the toughest men alive. And I'm not going to go oh, into really? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should look him up. He He's awesome. He was basically a 300-pound fat guy that lost 106 pounds in three months so he could qualify to become a Navy SEAL. And then from there, his story is just incredible. And he's not one of those feel-good motivators either, right? Like, this guy is fucking raw. Like, I think you would love him. How, how much weight did he lose? 106 pounds. Oh, wow. In three months? In three months. That's insane. Yeah, it was insane. So he actually holds the Guinness Book of World Records for the most amount of push uh, chin-ups done in 24 hours. And I think it's like 4,600-something. Like, it's uh, it's insane. So listening to him was certainly a motivator. Uh, and there's another guy named C.T. Fletcher. He's, like, huge. His, his group of workout buddies are called the Iron Addicts. So he's, like, a, a weightlifting champion, long story short. And he has um, a history of heart disease in his family. And when he went in for heart surgery, he actually flat mind on the table three times he died three times and came back to life wow. yeah so listening to him was super super cool so i encourage anybody to check it out but um it, it kind of motivated me to to keep going at the gym and to actually push myself and they did it from the perspective of you have to push through the pain you have to do better than you think you've done and and actually one of david goggins greatest things i've ever heard in my life is that if you look in the mirror and you think you're fat, it's because you are fucking fat and you have to do something oh, about it. Yeah, you know? I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And it just, it, it smacked me in the face. And it was one of the reasons why I started talking about getting started is because to this day, I believe that in order to affect any sort of change in your life, you just have to start. It doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how small or how little you, you start something, just start and just let it, let it roll from there. And I kind of just, you know, I kept rolling with it. Um, and I think, you know, I've realized in hindsight that I actually really enjoy imparting my own advice, my own knowledge, like one of the best like the, the best conversations I ever have when I'm at work is when I'm actually, this is going to sound weird, performance managing somebody or somebody's coming to me because they need some advice and they don't know what the fuck to do. And they're coming to me. And I love that. Oh, you're so like you're yelling at them. <laughs> I don't love yelling at oh, people. Oh, I love yelling at people. Unless they're real. I know you do. Don't worry. I know. <laughs> I've had a couple of tongue lashings from you. Don't worry, um, but I, 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 will, I just, I just get a kick out of. And I'm not an expert. I'm not. I'm not like a coach. I'm not any of that stuff. Just but say you are, and you are. What's that? Well, and that's. 
I no, that's not what I am. I all I do is impart my own knowledge and I impart my own device and I tell people like, look, this is what I think. You don't have to follow it. It's not like Tony Robbins went and got a degree in being Tony Robbins, right? <laughs> he just became Tony Robbins. What if he don't- I wonder if he does steroids because he looks like such a workout junkie. I don't know if he does steroids. I think I think a lot of I think a lot of those U.S. guys. He is. I've never listened to a fucking word he said. Oh, Tony Robbins is an amazing human being. He really is. No, you don't think so? No, I don't no, know. He just it's it's his six beard and a half dozen of the other to me. See, now the boost is kicking in. This is where it gets fucking awesome. So the I just you know what Tony Robbins is so mainstream. And I hate mainstream, and I think that's part of the reason why I don't. By the way, in case you're wondering why I'm fidgeting. The, the only chair that would fit in my closet is a fucking wooden chair, and it's killing me right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought I'd be mad enough, but... The word, I... I can't, I can't, I can't sit still. As soon, as soon as you talked about these tough guys, I started to realize my ass kind of hurts. Anyway, go on. <laughs> I know. So yeah, I just, in, in hindsight, I really, really enjoy talking to people, giving them advice, listening to their struggles, because I feel more so, I'm more of a kick out of them trying to help them is that I've learned something new that I never did before. And I actually feel at my highest comfort level when I do things like that, like it's funny like before i used to think like you know i'm I'm a business guy i want to run operations like and i and i still do but it's not i feel that that's not truly what i'm good at i'm i think i'm good at leading people through imparting my own advice knowledge giving instructions training guiding and it's not so much the the numbers aspect of it um so when i recorded that first episode uh, i loved it and i got you know decent enough feedback to say okay let's let's just keep going with it and that led into the second episode which is all about pain and and i and everybody considers pain on a different level but long story short you got to push through it like there's just no there's no if ands or buts about it and it's not so much about the physical and it's about the mind and i started doing that when i was at the gym like you know if you're doing reps and whatnot and you feel like your muscles are about to give in and you can't do it anymore it's not about your muscles. It's actually about your head. And I, and I learned that from listening to enough Dega Goggins. And I, and I tried doing that at the gym. And it's, it's crazy how much you push through just that little bit more, how much more you can actually yeah, do. I feel that there's not a lot of people out there that actually know that. And it exists. Well, I think it's because it makes people uncomfortable, right? And people have a, especially in this day and age, have a supernatural tendency almost towards avoiding discomfort. I don't even think it's this day and age. I think it's I think it's just the way we are as humans. Like it's fight or flight response. As soon as something gets difficult or something becomes like we're all naturally afraid of the unknown. And I say that as a general populace, not you know give or take you know the, the few odd exceptions. But you know I I've seen it with my parents. I've seen it with my family. I've seen it with different friends around me. I've seen it enough in the circles that I've been in to realize that you know people are just afraid of pain, and it's not a nice thing. But you don't have to be and it's actually easier than you think to push through if you if you have the right mindset the challenge that i have with the podcast that i'm doing is the challenges that i've faced in my life do not like pale in comparison to some of the real life struggles like people that have come from rags to riches people that were you know uh, abused as a kid were homeless like i've never had any of that i had a very oh, comfortable really? life i might yeah I, I i did but i mean it was not fraught without challenges and and i think the point that i haven't really been able to come across uh, make in, in my podcast is that you know, your challenge, your pain, your perspective is perspective. It's based on your own experience. You know, your level of pain based on your life could probably be the same level of pain of somebody else's life, but it's a different circumstance. But at the end of the day, 
it's not so much about whatever situation you're in. And I could be naive by saying that, but it's this is how mentally disciplined are you to push through hmm. it? I have a bit of a, I don't disagree, but I have a bit of a different perspective. And we don't, we don't have enough time to, we should do another, you should have me on your podcast to talk about this. One of the differences, I guess, is pain, pain serves a purpose, right? I, I will on one hand right. agree with you because like, I don't know how many times we've seen each other since I, well, I guess we've seen each other at the hotel a couple of times. Yeah. Whenever you come up yeah. with, uh, with your daughter. So you, you've probably yeah. seen the like transformation. I lost a hundred pounds and then I gained 30 some of it back and then. And that, and I, I'll just say I struggle with my weight, but not as much as I used to. Since okay. the gyms closed here in Alberta, I've gained fifteen pounds. Fifteen pounds. Oh man, I, 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 I hear you, man. And uh, so when I was laid off and the gyms were closed, I went from you know uh, a good solid one eighty five. I had, I had some chunk on me, but when I went back to the gym, I was at two hundred. And that was at September. And I've been working out four days a week. I actually do a home routine now. I feel stronger. I feel more flexible. But I haven't gained any muscle mass. And I'm still fucking 198 right now. So, yeah, I know it's weird. And to most people, after about three or four months of being at the gym and you see that result, most people would just hang hang up the fucking towel and say, well, what's the fucking point? But I choose to focus on the good things that have come out of it. I.e., I can dance and jump with my daughter for three minutes straight listening to a song, and it's awesome. And it's because of what I'm doing, right? Definitely. Like, I'm, I'm at the stage of my life where I work more on mobility and strength, and I don't want to be like, I don't mm. want to look a certain way. I want to feel a certain way. But the thing that I need right. to do is the mental side. Like, going to the gym for me, it's it's like I go five days a week, and it is the hour, hour and a half that I have to myself that I need to do or I'm going to go fucking crazy. And that's the worst part about having the gym closed right now. It's not the 15 pounds yeah. I gained. It's the, it's that I'm going to eventually go crazy, right? And and it's funny because I've seen you post stuff about doing things at home. It's just not this. I tried the first time when the gym's closed. It's just not the same, right? I just can't get the same mental whatever it is. And a lot of it is what just what you said is using really heavy weight or really high reps or whatever it is to really push yourself. And it forces you into the present and it forces you to forget about everything else. You know what I mean? And that's what I miss the most. Yeah, and 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 I'm actually very much with you because I I'll use the word advocate. I was very much an advocate of myself with the gym being the only way I could have any sort of physical activity in my life. Like I came from Toronto, you know, I'm not I'm not a hiker, I'm not a fucking outdoorsy guy. I can't like I don't run. I'm not my wife <laughs> who is a superhuman being as far as I'm concerned. Like I'm the exact opposite. But when I found the gym, like I you know, I would rather spend three hours doing reps with free weights than try to run half a kilometer. Like, that's just the way it is, right? So I had that mentality. It was gym or bust, you know, and if I don't have the gym, well, I'm fucked. But um, so now with uh, restrictions being the way they are at the mid-December, I had no gym, so I had no choice. And there was no fucking way I was going back to where I was in April or May where, you know, when I tried to walk up like the, the smallest of inclines behind my house, my knees would hurt, my legs would hurt. Like I couldn't even carry my daughter who was like 15 pounds at the time. So I'm like, you know what? Really? Yeah, yeah. And I have bad knees too and I have flat feet. So there's a whole bunch of things. Things that kind of play into it but you know i'm like no like i have to figure out a way to stay somewhat active at home so i, I developed 
I shouldn't say develop, but I just took a bunch of different exercises and I put them together and I did like a little little circuit thing. And I don't use any equipment with the exception of some resistance bands and that's it. And like I said, I haven't lost a ton of weight, but I'm more mobile, I'm stronger and I'm addicted to it now. But it took me about three or four times of actually dreading doing it, but knowing that in the long term... And I think this is probably the important part of it is that we kind of like what you said about hotels and short term, right? Like we're so focused on the short term that we don't see the long term benefits. And we kind of almost have to to, to, tra- to transfer that to working out. Like you're not going to lose 15 pounds in a week. You're not. If you do, yeah. you're going to gain it right back as fast as you lost it. But if you... if you, Yeah, and it's not going to be good for you. It, no, that's exactly it. If you kind of transpose yourself six months or even three months down the road and you know it's almost like i'm not going to drink so much tonight because i know how shitty i'm going to feel which is not the case i'm going to drink a lot but you know what i mean i don't want to drink (laughs) i don't want to drink so much right now because i don't want to have a shitty fucking hangover the next day it's it's all that same idea and i think when when i lost yeah when i lost all my weight there was obviously something else going on at the time i was i was leaving my marriage and there was like a whole bunch of things that kind of added together and i remember we tried couples therapy and then the the lady who was doing our couples therapy said the two of you should go into therapy individually so i went and saw a therapist and i remember you know he's like how how's it going and stuff like that and i'm like oh no i've i've got the world by the balls and at at the time i lost just about 100 pounds he's like that's fantastic and i said yeah and i'm not drinking i used to drink a lot but now when i get down i go to the gym and i do this and i do that and he said something that really stuck with me he said well you got to be careful with that and i'm like what do you mean he goes well an addiction's an addiction and I was like, yeah, that's actually, I, I remember leaving that. That's really stuck with me. Where I still think the gym addiction is better than like drinking or drugs or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. So what what I took from him is I was like, okay, so if I have a gym addiction, I'm really going to balance that with an alcohol addiction. <laughs> and, I think, okay. and I think it's worked out well. <laughs> yeah, it's worked out well. Yeah, you know, um, that's actually a very, very interesting analogy. And because the gym can be addictive, once you get to that certain point where you're seeing results, like you, you, you like dream about it. It's like, I have to fucking go. And if I don't have to go, I'm going to gain 300. But I remember when we had that poker night at my house like years ago and, and you showed up late fashionably late mind you and we were all talking about how you lost all that yeah be- all that weight and because i climbed a mountain you, no it's not because you climbed one fucking mountain man no it is i did the, i did the heart mountain loop right before that yeah but no i thought it would take four hours <laughs> all for hours. being late sorry i thought you were attributing yeah, your weight late, loss yeah. to, to climbing one fucking mountain Oh, no, 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 be late. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I remember that. And I think like, because we had all seen pictures, we had all we all knew you were on that journey towards weight loss. And then when we saw you, like, mind you, we were all wasted by the time you got there. But <laughs> it was like, holy shit, like you did good, man. You did. You did really, really good. Yeah, I still lost 30 pounds after that. That's insane. That's awesome. I lost I lost so much weight that I lost too much weight. Like like I have pictures of when I was at my skinniest and everybody who looks at it is like, no, no, no. So my trainer said, you got to stop losing weight. Like you got to stop losing weight. And I was just under 250 pounds. And I, I went from actually the 100 pounds. It was exactly 100 pounds. It was 347 pounds to 247 pounds. Okay. And it was, it was probably 200 pounds or 20 pounds too much that I lost. And I was just talking about this the other day. The funny thing was, I lost my identity. And what I mean by that is I spent my entire life as a fat guy. Mm. And I was a fat guy, mm-hmm. right? Like when you're a fat guy, if you think of like John Candy or you think of 
Chris Farley or stuff like that, you sort of have this identity. You you act a certain way, you talk a certain way, you make certain jokes, you get away with certain things, and then that gets taken away from you. And now, if you try to make the same jokes or you try to act the same way, people look at you like you're a douchebag. just an outlet for me and i and i feel i feel better than i have before mind you just getting a lot of this is the stuff off off my chest anyways the reason why i i asked you that question is because i kind of figured you would say something like that <laughs> fingers crossed it was a 50 50 chance but are you, are, are you actually recording you're recording this right now right Yep, yep. Okay, cool because i think um and, and don't edit this part out because i think it's really really important you know, it, it, it's tough to hear that you think that you're not productive and you don't you don't have that same drive for your job, I guess, that you used to before. Because, uh, and I've never told you this, but you have been a mentor for me um, ever since I started working for you. And I know this sounds kind of weird, but every time I'm faced with a with a tough decision, let's say, I always wonder what you're going to do. And I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I and I never knew how to consider somebody a mentor until I realized that every time I wanted to know what to do in a tough situation, I'd always kind of figure out what you would do. And uh, you're, you're, you're a smart individual. You're intelligent. I mean, this is a podcast and, and, and I see the amount of effort and worth that you're putting into it. So, you know, for all the shortcomings that you think you have for where you are right now, as far as you know, your, your job and all the things that you, you're not able to enjoy in your life anymore. You've made a difference on a lot more people's lives than you think. And you should be really, really proud of that. And, you know, when you think the going's getting tough for you, just think back to how many good things you've done for a lot of people that you probably didn't even think you did. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's it's always great to hear stuff like that. I think that the one thing about 2020 is when you talk about how difficult it was to be laid off and to have that decision get made. And I, I appreciate what you're saying. And I thank you for saying that. I think one of the toughest things about 2020 has been as difficult as you took getting laid off. And I've been laid off before too. And I agree with what you're saying. I had to lay 150 people off. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, you aspire whenever you're in a leadership or, or, you know, if you're a good manager, you're a good director, a good general manager, mm-hmm. you'll always want to make things go well. And especially in the first you know, in, in March and April and May, things were so terrible. And there was so much bad stuff that happened to so many people that I think there's 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 a cohort of people who never had a chance to feel bad about themselves or feel bad about what they went through. Mm. And a lot of it was people who had to make difficult situations. And I mean I mean I couldn't believe it. Like we would we would have the worst case scenario and then we would do that and we would say, Well at least it's over and tomorrow we can start working on whatever's gonna make things better. And we'd come into work and it would be worse. And there would be a new worst case scenario. But, and that went on for like two weeks, right? So Yeah, and I think um, because, you know, I, I had the same approach when I had that tough conversation dealt to me. You know, I understood it. I accepted it. I knew that it was, you know, or at least I tried to tell myself that it was more of a business decision than a personal decision than anything else. And the reason why, you know, I kind of went off the deep end and kind of thought about why me, what's my value, maybe I'm useless, whatever. It was just part of 
my own struggles that I deal with. You know, I can't imagine being in your position where you have to have, you know, in essence, 150 conversations telling people that you lost your job for now. And I don't know when I'm going to be able to bring it back, if at all. And I guess, you know, why I say that is because, um, you know, I, I guess why I say that, you know, with all those things that you went through, don't forget that the people that you have the conversations with probably understand it more than you think even though they didn't tell you and even when they were working for you and this is just from me knowing the type of person that you are um they fucking loved you i can i can guarantee it one of the other hard realities of it is maybe they did in april and may but now it's it's january right and it is like what these people have been through and what everybody's been through it's it's tough and i think people who who have the ability to step back and take a different perspective and say 2020 wasn't that bad i kind of admire them but no i look at what so many people have been through you me everybody else you know and and don't forget the fact that like like a thousand people in alberta have died Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. Like, and like, I think a million people worldwide or something crazy like that have died, right? Yeah. And uh, this is just the absolute worst year ever. And I, I can't, I can't imagine I will ever for a second think anything different. And I hope 2021 is a lot better. Well, I mean, we're in the moment, right? And it's tough to, it's tough to take ourselves out of the moment when there's, there's so many different emotions and so many different circumstances. Things are changing all the time. When you think there's a light at the end of the tunnel, all of a sudden you're slapped with a new set of restrictions and you're, you're, oh, yeah. you're, you're pushed back. Like it sucks. It, yeah, I, I, I get it. And, and like I said, I couldn't imagine being in your shoes, having to have, you know, the same conversation 150 times and basically uprooting people's life where they have to, you know, go from a comfortable paycheck to figure out how they're going to make ends meet at the end of the month. Like that's, it's, it's, it's super crazy, but all that, all that said, you know, and this is where, and I don't want to sound like I'm preaching. It's, it's where you train. I am fucking preaching. So whatever, Um, you know, it's, (laughs) it's, it's where you choose to train your mind to think, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, uh, for what it's worth, you're you're a good guy and you're you're doing good things and don't uh, don't try to tell yourself otherwise. Oh, thanks. Oh, I don't. No, I I have a good perspective, and I think we're all trying to do the best we can, right? What's what's the one thing you really want to get out of 2021? I don't know. I I I, I and I say that with as much um, genuity as possible. I don't know. I don't know what I wanted out of 21. I mean, obviously, I you know I'd like to say that I wanted to be better than 2020, but 2020, you know, was a tough year, but it kind of taught me to look at things with a different perspective. It it taught me to enjoy family more. I've become more handy in the last six months than I have been in my entire life, like comfortably using a saw and a drill. (laughs) I know this sounds kind of weird, but it's, 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 no, not at all. It's, it's fantastic. You know, I was able to utilize my summer to really, um, to really learn how to whitewater kayak and, 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 and enjoy a sport that I never knew. Um, so 2021, I think, is really more about discovering my own potential. I don't really want to return to the way things were before because I think that's more of a regression than progression. I think I'm just really looking forward to, to discovering more about myself and what I'm able to do with with me. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? And cut it off whenever you want. I'm just curious now because you asked the question. Yeah. What about me? I, you know, I think that the three things I want is I want, I want my, I I want the industry to improve to the point where my career can move on a little bit. I've been in the same place for a long time now. 
I would really like to see this podcast grow and see what can happen to it because it's teaching me a lot of new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I'll be honest. I In September, my daughter's going to turn 18. Wow. Just, oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Just, oh, just over a year from now, I'm going to turn 50. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where my life goes. Yeah. Because uh, I think that my... You know, my 40s are coming to an end, and I'm really looking forward to wherever the journey takes me. And I, I, I honestly, I believe a lot in being present, and I a lot of believe a lot in allowing, just letting the universe do what it will. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing where that takes me. Awesome. Just a long for that. Okay, that's it. Let, let's call this a podcast. All right. That's awesome. So, so, so normally Jen would uh, chip in a little bit here, but she's not here. Okay. So we'll say thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Brent, for being a great guest. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was great being on here and great catching up with you. Yeah, and you have me on your podcast at some point. Yeah, I, I will. I'd love to have you on. If you have me, I can do the recording and stuff like that. We can just give it to you. <laughs> Actually, that might not be such a bad idea. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll leverage you. Yeah, if I'm paying for this, then somebody people might as well use it, right? Okay, well, uh, I'll see. Okay, all right. We'll uh, We'll talk to you later, and hopefully we can do another podcast together. Okay, great. Have a happy new year and tell Kay to have a happy new year. All right, will do. Thanks, David. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Loosen Conversational podcast. Catch us every week at loosenconversational.com. You can reach us through the website or email directly at opq72 at loosenconversational.com. That's O as in hour, H as in hour, P as in pseudonym, E as in urn, U as in urn, K as in knob, E as in I, I as in I, W as in write, 72 at loosenconversational, spelt just like it sounds. Bye, everyone.